Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I am your host for today. And today's special guest is Mr. Ben Albert. He's the founder of Real Business Connections, also the host of the podcast by the same name, and he's here to talk about how we might scale our business. So Ben, thanks for hanging out with us today. Boom, baby. Hector, I'm excited for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. We were talking before we hit the record that you had a, the word that comes to mind is traumatic. I don't want to project my own things onto your experience, but I would imagine, or a jarring experience with regards to your career. But on the latter side of that, you've made it out. You've got a business that is sustaining and thriving and providing for you and all that after a big shakeup over the last couple of years. So would love for you to share as much as you'd like about how you got into this place. And then also a little bit about what you're doing with your clients now. Yeah, man. I mean, traumatic for sure. Sometimes the biggest gifts kind of look like a turd with a bow on them. And we don't realize that it's going to be a gift later on. But I was working in the corporate world. I was a sales executive for a pretty big marketing firm. And I was comfortable. Not only was I comfortable, though, I feel like I was kind of miserable because it was high octane. It was high stress. I'm not going to over talk, but some of the things ethically weren't in alignment with where I wanted to go with my career. And I found myself basically self-medicating a Xanax for anti-anxiety every Monday because it was just my world was caving in and there was at-home stress. I would have told you that I'm fine and I would have looked good on paper and I was making good money, but things weren't going well. Now, this all led into the pandemic, which I don't have to talk about. We all lived through it. I got let go because I'm in a sales role for a firm that's doing video nationwide no travel, no video, no sales, residual income coming in, like people weren't making their payments. It was just a crap shoot, crap show. So I got let go. And again, that was the turd with a bow on it because that kind of pushed me into the direction of self-discovery, which led me into entrepreneurship, which led me into replacing that sales executive income in about a year. And I don't say that to brag, I don't say it to impress, just to impress upon the point that sometimes don't things don't go as planned and it is traumatic. Sometimes we get lucky. Sometimes it's ultimately the right time and place, but I'm just a single example of someone who was able to do it for themselves. And I like to just tell my story and, and hope people do that for themselves as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic story. And I love how you're just like, we went through all these terrible events and then I succeeded. And then, <laughs> but so take me into that. Were there parts of that evolution, right? Was there 1.0, 2.0? Was there a time where it was like, well, at first we were figuring it out and then this happened and we started to like do this. Were there milestones or key moments along that journey that either put fuel in your tank or smaller wins that led up to where you were? Lots of them, they come from all over the place. This is a little existential, but I would do daily affirmations. So I would look in the mirror and I'd say things like, you're an open channel for creative ideas. You're good enough now and only getting better. You deserve what you want. But I would look in that mirror with bloodshot eyes and I was lying to myself. And once I had that realization that the path I was taking wasn't working for me, it kind of put myself in a place of vulnerability that if I continue to work in a role that I'm miserable with, if I continue to go down the wrong route, where's this going to lead me? And that spurred me into this self-discovery phase where I'm like, I'm unemployed. The least I can do is put my chips on myself, bet on myself and see where entrepreneurship will take me. 
and started an LLC, didn't know what I was doing. And ultimately, the same month that I registered my LLC, I had started a music podcast prior in 2016. I'm from Rochester, New York. It was a Rochester, New York entertainment show talking about creatives in my city. And I had started my LLC and then a Rochester charter school reaches out to me saying, we checked out your podcast. We're really impressed with what you're doing. Would you be willing to teach podcasting to our students? So my first ever client wasn't this grand old marketing firm, Balbert Marketing, that I had started. It wasn't a traditional marketing client. It was a charter school in the education space that I would have said no to a hundred times straight. But since I was unemployed and it was virtual, that was my first yes. So my first ever client was not expected. But since I was in the position to take that opportunity, it provided not much but a little bit of income. Then I picked up a second class within the same network and I had enough income that again, I wasn't making that much money, but I had a little bit of security that I can actually go start hunting and working on building my business. I literally was working five hours a week and making okay money and then spending the rest of the time on the business itself. Yeah. What a cool series of events. I mean, I think there's a lot to serendipity. So you kind of had this unique opportunity of working with different businesses. I like to bring in people who are consultants or have agencies. And the reason is they have a kind of a larger sample size to look at. They start to see trends or what I like to call blind spots or big mistakes. So when you're now looking at a business on the other side and you're kind of helping them with the networking or you're assessing where a business is or an individual's opportunities are, are there any that are missed a lot by people? Are there any that you frequently go, well, if you did this or if you figured this out or if you did it this way, it would unlock so much more? Are there any things that come to mind like that? Yeah, I mean, there's millions and it depends on what specific section of their business we're talking about, but I'm a marketer, so we'll focus on that. What is your first impression online? Go back to that strike of God luck example of me getting reached out by a charter school. The reason they found me was I had an SEO background, worked for a marketing firm and came up first on Google. So if you typed in Rochester podcast, Rochester music, Rochester entertainment, I came up first on Google, had a great website, was creating content, had a social media presence. A lot of businesses, especially the ma and pa traditional service businesses, they are best in class at what they do. But when you Google them, it looks like they're wearing their pajama pants. Like they show up to work ready to go, whether it's suit and tie or dirty jeans, ready to get on a roof. But then you show up online and it says temporarily closed or no website comes up. It's the wrong phone number or you get an error code saying that it's not secure. There's a whole slew of things that are a false representation about your business. We're just in an online world. And I think it's really important for business people to realize that people are judging you. And even when your number one source of referral is word of mouth, what do those humans do once Hector recommends them? They pick up their phone and they look you up. <laughs> and if they don't like what they see, you're missing out on business to competitors that honestly aren't as good as you. They just have the online stuff done well. So that's a big, big miss businesses that have great operations, great procedures, great customer service, but then their online presence, their brand 
the way they communicate that first impression doesn't actually represent who they are as a company. Yeah, it happens so often. I've been victim to it. And I think there's a delicate balance because I've judged is what it is. I've judged the people and said that I'm not going to be those people who get all excited about their logo and all excited about their colors and the name of it. And they got their trademark and then they haven't sold anything and they don't ever sell anything. And so I've gone hard the other way and said, well, we're just going to go out and provide services and value and we're just going to sell stuff. And then you kind of look up and you're six months, six years even sometimes into the business and you haven't gone and repainted or remodeled the front of your digital storefront or your digital business, if you will. So I guess I want to yeah. allow those people who are out there thinking, oh my goodness, that's me. I want to say it's okay. Now's a good time to get started. Thanks for bringing that up because I mean, I even talked about a strong foundation. A lot of people don't have a strong foundation yet. And honestly, they need to get out and start selling. They need to start having conversations, just getting something up there. Simplest tip, and you could even ask GoDaddy or Bluehost or any of these website platforms to help you is buy a domain name and have it redirect to your LinkedIn. I know that's not the best, but do something. Get started somewhere. And you brought up another issue, which is a completely opposite thing, is people spend all their time worrying about how they look, whether their website's great, focusing on product, which is really important, but they don't have any sales, they don't have any revenue. And sometimes you need to go out there get the first sale, make the first commission, get some momentum. And then I hate to say it, but you're treating your clients a little bit like test subjects and you're creating the product for them because the product's not going to be perfect when you launch, but it's going to get better the more you get reps in working with people and their needs. So we could do just a whole freaking seminar in this stuff. What I'm curious about is that you compressed what takes some people years to do, you know, you did it in a year, in a matter of months, and that's to figure things out, to figure out a, a revenue model that, that you can drive, and then to actually drive that revenue model. At any point of those, it could have not worked. You could have not been a good product market fit. You could have not built out the systems to actually scale it, or you could have just not been able to execute it. And so I'm curious for you, at least that's in my head, that's how I build it. How did it play out? Was it like you put attention to all these different operations at the same time? Was it like you said, let me build out with some initial clients. Talk to us about how you were able to eventually get to that number where you replaced your income, or did you wake up one day and replace it all in an evening? Definitely not in an evening. Definitely feel like I got a little bit lucky, but at the end of the day, like this is just by chance. I'm an online marketer, so my startup cost was virtually nothing. So I had a virtually nothing startup cost, and I was really good at what I did. Now, a side thing is I had the the music podcast, which was a passion project. The entire time I was working for larger firms, I was putting out a music show. I was promoting bands. I was setting up MySpace pages originally, then that moved to Facebook, then that moved to websites. So I understood the value of podcasting and I understood the value of networking and kind of guerrilla marketing, getting out, shaking as many hands as possible, handing as many flyers out as possible. So I just squeezed it all together. So when I launched my business, I simultaneously launched a business podcast. And it's behind me if we're using the video, but it's Real Business Connections. It originally was Rochester Business Connections. Similarly to that, I had a Rochester, New York business show, uh, Rochester, New York music show, I reinvented myself because Music Ben 
was not going anywhere. And I made business, Ben, and I did Rochester, New York business. So I'm a good online marketer that's willing to put in the effort. And I have a local business podcast, which there wasn't any. (laughs) So I was immediately the largest, most reputable local business podcast. And it was during the pandemic where CEOs could show up on Zoom in their pajama pants and they were willing to give me their time and their mentorship because I had this podcast. I had this entity that would add value, promote them, and reach a larger community. So it was kind of a perfect storm of everything at once. The last thing I'd add is the product was high ticket. I didn't launch a $97 course and try to sell 10,000 of them. I launched programs that were 400 plus a month and reoccurring. So I didn't need a hundred clients to really get a little bit of momentum and people just need online marketing. So it was a perfect storm of leaning into my skills in a niche market, which I didn't niche down with a specific industry. I niched locally so I could be the biggest business podcast marketer. And then on the back end, I mean, you're a podcast coach for podcasters. You get it. You create the relationships that lead to business but I didn't snap my finger and immediately have clients. But you look at my first 30 episodes, I have clients, friends, mentors, and peers, all from that process of just getting started and launching. That's what I did in the short run. Yeah. The secret here, guys, is Ben's just a badass marketer and he keeps saying it. So he's like, here's my secret. I'm just really good at this. So, you know... (laughs) But that can't be taken away. I'm not unreal, though. I want to humble myself. There are better marketers. I'm not the best. I'm not Alex Hermosi. I'm not Grant Cardone. No, and I say that in jest to honor you and to honor your skills. I wasn't successful because I was a good marketer. I was successful because I put more work into it and other people didn't. Well, so much of that, and I used to call myself a digital marketer, and then I realized I just like creating content. And I thought that I was actually a digital marketer, but I'm not the guy that can run an SEO keyword analysis and or that enjoys that. I'm not the guy that, you know, like backlink, like all that. Well, I'm we're specifically talking SEO. But outside of that, I'm curious for most of our listeners who are pretty naive in general to any sort of digital marketing specifics. In 2023, is there places that are worth either starting with or that are the low-hanging fruit or the places where if you do this, you're still going to kind of have a chance? Because I do know that things change so quickly. So to make the question even harder, what are your thoughts on someone who's in that spot? I mean, step one is always know your audience because if you're a beauty consultant, you're going to want to spend more time on Instagram and TikTok than if you're in B2B. So know your audience is the general advice. And that needs to be looked at individually because based on region, based on target, do we want affluent people or do we want a lot of people and we want to bring them up with us with a cheap course? Like you got to know your audience. That being said, I think the lowest hanging fruit is LinkedIn. Because I don't know anywhere else where you can just filter for CEOs and C-suite and entrepreneurs and owners and anything you want in a specific region, connect and send them a personal DM in a tremendously uncrowded channel. At the end of the day, actually, email is not that bad either. The question you need to ask yourself is, where's my audience 
and where's an uncrowded channel that they spend their time. If someone's an entrepreneur and they're on LinkedIn and they don't post much, but you see they post once in a while, there's a high probability they'll see your message that they might not get your email. And another great thing about LinkedIn, honestly, is it's a great way for you to flaunt your endorsements. It's a great way to build an impression of how you look and what you do. So when you reach out, they look at your profile and go, oh, this person's legit. So LinkedIn's my go-to. That being said, I'm a B2B marketer. So know your audience. But for me, LinkedIn's such a low-hanging fruit. But the one asterisk I'll add is when you reach out, like when you and I had a discussion, you invited me on the podcast. That got my attention. So the question is, what do you have that is valuable that you can offer them? It can be, come on my podcast, come to my event. I love what you're doing. I'd love to nominate you for an award. I'm putting on an event. Or it could be like, I'm putting together a research study to service young entrepreneurs. You're a young entrepreneur. Can I get your feedback and have you as part of the study? Create something. So when you reach out, you're reaching out with something that's valuable to them, not just you. You'll be able to get their attention. And if it's at an uncrowded channel, you'll be able to stand through the noise and actually have that read and take in action on. Yeah. Such good stuff that is really foundational. What I enjoy cost, about this is it that it's nothing. Cost yeah. nothing. Not to interject, but I forgot that one part. It doesn't cost you a penny to do any of that. And it's good and important to do at whatever stage someone might look up. I mean, I, I know I'm kind of biased. The largest companies and the executives who I would imagine there are some executives that may say that they don't need to put out content or to have this public facing image. But to that, a counterpoint is I've seen for people at those levels, it not be a, just a way to market and sell stuff, but one of the best recruiting tools. We have a client of ours that they've got a large YouTube channel and they get clients from it, but they get so many great applicants and high quality team members from it, for sure. You nailed something huge with the personal brand and whether you're the boss or not the boss. So the boss can recruit people, build a personal brand, build affinity where people want to work with you and buy from you. Let's say you're not the boss, but you still build a personal brand. Maybe you're looking to start a business eventually, but you're saving up. If you're still creating content, uh, establishing relationships, building a personal brand, what happens when you feel like you want to leave that company? Everyone's going to want to poach you. If you build a personal brand, you're poachable. You're more valuable to the company and you have the ability to choose your own adventure because of the personal brand. So if you're top of the ladder, you want it because it's going to feed everyone below you. And even if you're bottom of the ladder, it's actually going to move you up that ladder quickly. So it's something I believe everyone should do. And I think it's great that your client does have that big YouTube following and I guarantee it helps them a ton. Yeah. We've gone a, a lot of places today. <laughs> All over uh, the place, yeah. But I think it always goes exactly where it's supposed to go. Is there anything, though, that you feel is relevant to today's conversation that we didn't hit that you think someone might be upset if we didn't cover? This is kind of more mindset piece, but don't feel like you have to do it alone. I think a toxic mentality is the, I pulled myself up from my bootstraps. I did it. I conquered it. I did it. I didn't need any. Everybody. Who made the bootstraps? Who made the boots? 
who made your vehicle? You've got a great car. You've got a great girlfriend. You didn't make the car. You didn't make the girlfriend. Someone else did. Everything we do in life is made possible by the collective impact of other people helping one another out. So if you need help, ask for it. When I didn't have any business, I started a podcast so I can get mentored by brilliant people. Still to this day, when I put on live events, everything, I'm always trying to find peers that I can collaborate with. So if you feel like you're lost, reach out to somebody. You don't have to do it alone. You shouldn't do it alone. And all the most successful people build a tribe of peers and friends and clients around them. So drop that mentality that it's a grind and it's going to be difficult and you're going to have to pull yourself up from your beach. No, no. Ask for help, collaborate, add value. That value will come back karmically into your business and into your life. The podcast is there. Those of you guys who might be catching on video is behind them. Real Business Connections. Is there anywhere else, Ben, that people might be able to follow up or any other ways to go deeper into your world? I mean, that's the easiest way. I kind of hinted I love LinkedIn. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be here without Hector. So I always encourage people. They found me here on this show. If they're not subscribed, subscribe to this show. Leave a review for this show if you want brownie points. And the way you find Real Business Connections is just typing it in whatever browser you found this. If you want to go deeper, it's not rocket science, realbusinessconnections.com. But again, man, just leave Hector a view and just type in those words and you'll find me. Yeah, we'll link up the show here in the show notes. And Ben saved my outro. You guys heard him. He's, <laughs> he's, smart. he's sm obviously the smartest guy here. So do what he says. We'd love a rating and review wherever you get your podcast and go get connected with Ben. As always, we appreciate you being a part of the How to Scale Business tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.